This is the Formation Lab. Welcome one, welcome all to the only pantsless podcast on the internet. That's right. We are the only place where you can hear two dudes talking without pants on on the entire World Wide Web. My name's Luke. I got no pants on. Tim, he's in the process of taking his pants off because it's racing time, baby. It is racing time after a three-week hiatus uh, on F1, which is just weird. Um, I know that I, you know, I talked about this with Dylan the other week. I know they technically had China in this space, but I don't know why you didn't say like Imola. We're going to put you right next to China and then just be prepared that China is going to cancel so that we don't have a full month long break. Yeah. Full month long break. I mean, it's just kind of, you know, really silly in my opinion. Uh, so there's not a whole lot to go on, except we do have a few things to talk about there. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little weird. I'm very excited to have uh, everything firing off this weekend because I, Luke, have been living under a rock. It's the busy season in my world. Oh, yes. And, uh, yeah, I've been pulling 60, 70 hour weeks. Ugh. I'm tired. I'm a whole lot older than I used to be. And uh, I, I don't recover as well. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm learning that in a, in a big, bad way. Yeah, um, no kidding. But tell me what all has gone on this week. I'm really excited. Let, let's gear up. Uh well we will uh we will start with uh just uh to to me I think you know Dylan and I we tapped on IndyCar last week but I also uh wanted to get your take Marcus Erickson to me uh it occurs to me because you we logged on you said Marcus Erickson is leading the IndyCar standings that uh, what Marcus Erickson seems to be the low key Scott Dixon successor right now. Uh, he's doing his best impression of a Scott Dixon. That's for sure. Uh, if makes... it, like, it does seem like it's just, he's keeping out of trouble. It's exactly what he did to win the Indy 500 last year. He just stayed out of trouble. That's right. It. And uh, honestly, Scott Dixon has proven again and again, by the way, that like, that is, um, you know, exactly what you need to do to, uh, <laughs> to, to, have a successful you know championship run That's marcus erickson in three races hasn't finished outside the top 10 and has two top fives that's a that's, that's a dixie-esque run that is a dixon-esque run that that's being impressive. said we mentioned mm. the other week that roman grosjean pato award both would probably be in the lead if they weren't boneheads but how many championships does scott dixon have on the back of not being a bonehead yeah, yeah, that is true. It's just uh, the best defense and the best offense is just neither. Uh, stay out of trouble is the is the key. It turns out. Um, yeah, it Grosjean is really frustrating because I know he's worked a lot on his mental health and the yips that come along with some of the uh, things he was experiencing in his performance. But man, it just does not seem to improve. Um, you can pretty well count on there is a better than even odds chance that he is going to bungle it if it's, if he's ahead. I don't think he knows how to win. I think this is where last week in Long Beach, which I know you were trying to recover, you know, IV injecting fluids into your arm. Trying I'm not to... above it, Luke. Yeah. I'm not above it. Um, I think this is where last week, to me, proved to be a, a turning point because Roman Grosjean came in, all right? He's in second place. He's trying to chase down rookie Kyle Kirkwood for the win at Long Beach, which is, you know... A very prestigious race, right? Um, w- one of the more prestigious non-F1 road course races that there is in the world of motorsports. Um, 
or not road course, but street course, road course, what have you, right? Uh, he had, I think, 150 seconds of push to pass. And he was running a fuel conserve uh, kind of strategy. And they just said, hey, you can use about 30 seconds of those. And other than that, you just need to, you know, hit your number, hit your fuel number. And Roman hit his fuel number, used about 30 seconds of those, said, I ain't catching him, and drove as steady as possible uh, to a second place. And he said, hey, you know what? Maybe that's why next time you use it a little more aggressively at the start. But he's like, there's no, he said, there's no shame in pulling home a second because you hit your strategy bang on. I was like, okay, now, Roman, that's a great quote. That's a great attitude. That's a great uh, way to look at it. Let's remember that. <laughs> I was gonna say, that's, uh, that, that's more of the Roman Grosjean that we were looking at at testing. Yeah. Right. Remember when he was there for testing? He's like, it's just, I'm just here to learn. Yeah. And he was very humble about it in his approach. He just he needs to keep that approach. That's what I thought he'd do. Um, we'll see if he can retain that consistency. He's uh, sitting in seventh at 71 points behind Scott Dixon, but ahead of Colton Herta, uh, another driver who I think uh, probably should have learned that lesson by now. But, um, but yeah, uh, yeah. You would have Mark- thought Nashville would have taught him or any of the other uh, instances where it would have been better to keep his powder dry, but no, nope, so, yet. There's so many that I can barely even think of one outside of Nashville. It's just the one that sticks out because it, it was such a, such a self-inflicted injury, such a bludgeoning that it was too. It, was the yeah. thing too. Like he was just murdering the field. Um, it's uh yeah. So IndyCar, I, uh, I'm intrigued. I think Pato Award might be the guy who jumps Marcus Erickson. I think Pato just has the better pace. Uh, same with uh, Alex Pillow, but uh, good year for Chip Ganassi between Erickson, Pillow, and Dixon all in the top six. So, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I think sticking with IndyCar, there was a rumor that swirled just a bit ago that uh, Marshall Pruitt got an actual quote on uh, today, and that is that... Uh, possibly that Liberty media were positioned as a group making a move to purchase IndyCar from Pinsky entertainment. Mm. I do not like that. I don't like that. And that's, it's not because I actually thoroughly dislike Liberty and the way that they've handled F1. It's because I don't think that two open wheel series, both with, you know, one with international aspirations, one with international you know, manifesting. Um, I don't like the idea of those two series that somewhat compete being <laughs> right owned by the same company. I, I, I mean, unless you were going to say it is the global brand of racing and try to blend the two. Um, I, yeah, I don't see that as a good thing. And I don't think Roger Penske would give up so easily uh, on IndyCar and having the ownership of it and trying to grow it. Uh, he just we just introduced new regulations too, right? They were just announced um, that are aimed at trying to improve the racing. I can't imagine that someone like Roger Penske, who let let's let's not be unclear, also owns the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Yep, and uh, has IndyCar pumping through his veins. You telling me that you're telling me that Liberty Media, who's done well with Formula One, but it's not been great at times. Yeah, he's going to come in and take that from him, and he's going to be like, "Yeah, you're going to be a good steward." I, yeah, that dog yeah. don't hunt. 
No. And in fact, uh, Pinsky Corporation President Bud Danker actually gave Marshall Pruitt a quote. This dropped uh, right about 1 p.m. Central Time today. Quote, there's no truth in any of that. There's been no discussion. And, prank- and frankly, we wouldn't sell it. Being the stewards of the Indy 500 and being the stewards of Indy Car Series go hand in hand. We bought this series and bought the Speedway in 2020. And as long as we own both those, they're going to stay together. The, Done. I mean, there it is. <laughs> yeah. It, over their dead bodies is that is that that's message. that's and the so business I, version I, I didn't quote. i did not even see that and i knew what they would say <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah come on that's the most unbelievably okay yeah. it's 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 like asking mario andretti if he wants to like never drive a car again it's like Wait, what? bro i i i would prefer to die in a car <laughs> rather than and not i'm still faster than my son so <laughs> Ouch. And my grandson. Yeah, as I say, especially your grandson. Ooh. Sorry, sorry, Marco. Am I? Uh, am I that sorry? Um, but yeah. But so... uh, Liberty Media, for the record, also said it was completely wrong. But I thought it was interesting. You know, sometimes there's smoke and there's no fire. Um, but I just I don't see that as good for yeah. IndyCar. Uh, I can see Liberty kind of wanting to do it just to be like, okay, now you're never going to be in a Formula One market again. You want to go to Britain? <laughs> you could kiss my ass. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you want to go to Mexico, Canada? Ooh, sorry, those are Formula One markets. This is—it's so absurd and ridiculous that the, the 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 rumor mill, however this started, whoever told anyone that should uh, should not listen to that source anymore. No. Uh, here's my question. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, people as uh, as we kind of ramp up for Miami and Vegas this year. Miami, don't forget, is just a couple weeks away. Um, I think Miami's going to be a little better this year, for the record. Um, Maybe I wouldn't be surprised for it to be a decent race by twenty twenty three standards. Uh, I, I I'm not a Liberty defender. I'm not a Liberty stan. I don't think Liberty's management of F one has been as wildly greedy as people make it out to be, or at least comparatively. I think I feel like Tim, let me let me rephrase this. Have people forgotten Bernie Ecclestone? Yeah, you know, Bernie <laughs> Bernie, every now and again you'd come out with a humanitarian controversy. You know, are we let's going go to go race in apartheid let's, South Africa? Yeah, let's go race in apartheid South Africa. That sounds good. Let's go race in uh you know, state sponsors of human slavery and Let's go. Like let's that. let's yeah. break past the Iron Curtain and go race in the Soviet uh, Soviet Union in Hungary. North Lest Korea called, and uh, you know, hey, it's uh, we know about the war about the crimes against humanity, but we're gonna go because he gave us a lot of money, or at least he's <laughs> promised to, because we're F one and we don't actually check the numbers before we go, aka or uh, a la rich energy. <laughs> hey man, you know if you thought sprint races were bad and controversial, which I mean I don't, I don't really care one way or the other as it goes on um if you thought sprint racer controversial you should ask uh bernie what he thought about sprinklers <laughs> yeah bernie had some really stupid ideas that i'm really glad never came to pass because no um but yeah, yeah no but- I, I don't think liberty media has run it in a selfish way i think they've tried to grow it and be profitable um yeah. run it more as a business rather than a personal media personal empire building yeah uh, venture that bernie did um, that being said, not all their decisions have been great, no. but the FIA and the F1 governing body have been kind of a pain in the ass when it comes to things like adding teams and 
throwing out, you know, roadblocks and new, uh, you know, field, uh, new goalposts that you have to clear all the time. It really is kind of ridiculous. It, it, it is. Um, I'm not going to say that like, it's like watching like, you know, one of the greatest sports owners of all time. Like it's like watching like a Robert Kraft own, <laughs> you know, F1. Right. But I'm like, I don't know. It seems to me if, if you de-aged Bernie to be hip and about 40 years old, F1's on the same course it was always going to be on. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, of ownership, uh, IndyCar team owner, former IndyCar team owner, Kevin Kalkoven passed in 2022, uh, and his estate is uh, listing up for sale, which is a 50% stake in the Acura Grand Prix of Long Beach. Now, this doesn't put the Long Beach GP it it uh at risk, if you will. Um that race is I think just too profitable, too prestigious. The city likes it, everyone kind of likes it. Um but uh up for sale, fifteen million dollar a uh fifteen million dollars for a stake in the GP of Long Beach. Now hear me out, Tim. Mm-hmm. If we all pool together and split our money, it's only about a million dollars a piece. Now we can own the GP of Long Beach. Only. <laughs> Only. Only. Uh Only. yeah, I can scratch that together. They're giving loans to anybody. Let's go uh let's go hit up Zil- Silicon Valley Bank. Um yeah. and uh, I heard a few other signature uh uh lending in New York. Mm-hmm. I hear I hear that they're getting a little bit uh can, aggressive. Can get, so let's try it. Can I, COVID has affected my life. Can I get a COVID loan? Yeah, and then uh have the government bail me out like every other big business. Oh yeah. Uh, um, That'd be sick. The, one of the rumored, uh, one of the rumored parties, by the way, is uh, to be buying that is the NTT IndyCar series in and of itself, uh, which I think is just uh, that would be if that's to me is almost a no brainer move. IndyCar can't afford to lose Long Beach, and you now own your second largest event. Yeah, right. There, yeah, let us do. forget F one also uh, promotes and owns its own event in uh in las vegas and uh i believe monaco as well so um yeah you know i that just thought that was worth a mention uh it's a big event it's a good race uh so some intrigue but i think this is going to be one of those that just works out for the better this is where penske swoops in or um the people who put on uh the the detroit grand prix might uh or actually i think indycar puts on the detroit grand prix yes but you know, some other race promoter that does a good job swoops in and they're yeah, they're, no, they're good they're, stewards of it. Yeah, the, there's too much uh hallowed ground there for anything to happen to it. So it's just gonna be someone who wants some notoriety for being a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of notoriety, okay. Yeah. You know what you know what Christian Horner likes to do, Tim? He loves stirring that pot. He's <laughs> really good at it too. He does. Four days ago, Christian Horner. Uh, has uh, accused six teams of exceeding the cost cap in 2022. Um, okay. Yeah. So, well, here's the thing it mm-hmm. is really hard to take legitimately and seriously a complaint from someone who has broken those rules previously. Um, what they did was set a dangerous precedent that showed that if you run over in certain things on your account, all you're going to get is a financial hit. And that's it. And sometimes that is worth the cost of doing. That's just a, the cost of doing business. That is a worth the sunk cost of getting the fine uh, to run over on certain budgets. So 
Sorry. I, usually Red Bull tactics are fantastic. And Christian Horner, you know, slays with the political, uh, you know, the shade and side eye and stuff like that. But this one kind of feels as hypocritical and uh, uh, the just lacks such self-awareness that it, it it's laughable almost. Yeah, um, it it is. I think, yeah, it's it's funny for the team that broke it in twenty twenty one. One of the two teams. Let us forget Aston Martin also broke the the cost cap. <laughs> People forget that, huh? Funny that now that they're the third best team on the grid. Yeah. Um. But uh, uh, yeah, it's funny that it would be Christian Horner, but I think Helmet Marco, everyone's favorite piece of safety equipment, uh brought up a good point he goes i think the current status is that six teams are over it inflation is something that was not calculable to that extent especially when it came to the energy costs what do you do first off about inflation and second off um how do i put this how is it this complicated (laughs) like i don't know but everything generally seems to be these days does it's it? I never, mean, yeah. Tim, let, let me ask you this. Yeah. All right, you're 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 a big sports guy. You're a sports yeah. head. You got some mm-hmm. knowledge in the noggin. Yeah. Um. Why is it that we the, we haven't seen an NHL, an NBA, you know, uh, an NFL? Baseball doesn't have a salary cap, but they do have a luxury tax. We haven't a luxury tax. We haven't seen one of those circumvent. If you will, why is it that this is so hard to understand? This is so hard to implement now. Uh, you have four sports that have done it to great effect. You do have four sports, but you also have, bear in mind, and you have very recent experience with no budgets and no caps like that in a system that is designed to find the peak amount in everything. So they're always going to push that boundary and balk against it because they've operated for so long with such big fat budgets. And I'll tell you, as someone who, who runs a business and has owned businesses, having that conversation to say, Hey, but you know, cost it cost cap. Sorry. I got to let you go. You know, XOXO Christian Horner. It That's a tough, horrid conversation. So you don't want to stop spending anywhere. And honestly, not spending and having that money has given the sense of poverty and uh, a lack of a long-term plan, lack of long-term viability from the Formula One standpoint is very much dog-eat-dog. And the big dogs stay big, fat, and hungry um, unless there are rules put in place. And so, you know, it has operated like that for so long that the NBA and MLB, I mean, remember when they put the luxury tax on MLB, they fought that forever. They yeah. hated that. They didn't want that at all. This, you know, free market capitalism and all that good jazz. And, you know, still they were trying to prevent ticket prices from being driven too high and, you know, profits and all that good jazz. And, you know, that, that did, that stuff did eventually come to pass. And eventually they start keep trying to circumvent it with new and inventive ways, like signing players to 15 year contracts with 25, you know, opt outs and stuff like that. And this, the same goes for European soccer. Uh, I don't believe they have a cost cap in, in the European they have, Football League. They don't. They have financial fair play, which means that um, you have to prove that like your business model – I could be totally wrong on this. You have to prove your business model is sustainable, um, and you can't increase spending year over year by a certain percent. So like um, – like if your team's worth one billion and then the Saudis come in and they want to spend fifteen 
billion dollars. You know, they're like, our budget's 15 billion. They have to like ramp it up by 50% year over year to get to that. Yeah. If that makes sense. But for the most part, no. I just I wonder if there's a simpler way, Tim, to make this a little more equitable without Oh, sorry. Greater, the minds, electric... than, greater minds than mine have tried yeah. and failed. And this is the best way to create parity is to hit them where it always counts. And that's in the checkbook. This is I think true. they need to stop whinging and get on with it. Yeah. Tim, let me ask you this. Um, first off, it is extremely too early to say. Do you feel that the cost cap has been successful? I think we've seen, and I saw this headline the other day and it made me think of this that you know with the financial parity there was a, a headline on the race.com that said uh the extinction of the back marker mm-hmm. and why it, and i and i genuinely thought wow there really is no back marker this year everybody's kind of in the midfield now and we've really gotten a tightening up of the of the uh field and you know big teams aren't spending big money to to run away with it and then leaving and creating that big field anyway now max is still very good yes and that's probably a remnant of the past but i think that it speaks to yeah the, i think the cost cap when they can all spend similar money they're making it go farther and those midfield teams and those back marker teams weren't as bad as you ever thought yeah i i i even though we're you know verging on like hey man you, you can't keep breaking this you have to uh you have to make it simpler and just punish people. I think it's been successful. I think the one that to me exemplifies kind of that this has been a very young fledgling success is Aston Martin right now. Do you think Aston Martin would be the second fastest team on the grid or the second best team on the grid? uh, If Ferrari and Mercedes were allowed to spend like they could, I don't think they would ever have a shot. No, but you do have Lawrence Stroll money happening right now. And I'm I'm convinced that's who Christian Horner was actually angling that financial comment at. <laughs> He's getting clever with his accounting uh, because that was a titanic amount of money they put in to essentially copy the Red Bull, which is exactly what they did a few years ago <laughs> as Racing Point uh, with the Mercedes uh, W12. Um, I just think, you know, ugh. I don't I think there's more to Aston Martin's rise than we know about yet. Um, but you know, keeping up keep watching the space. But yeah, no, I, I don't think there's a meteoric rise without uh reining in the big guys. Because for remember, Ferrari used to only spend on you know on racing, not marketing. They didn't market mm-hmm. anywhere, they just you know ran their race products. So the Ferrari budget was something like five hundred million dollars. Yeah. Um, you know, when you don't have marketing costs, that's what you can do. Um Unfortunately, uh, yeah. Now with that, without that, they they got to figure it out. I I I I I kind of uh, appreciate your not so subtle angling there. Lawrence Stroll just seems like the guy who is going to go down in a in a white collar fury of crimes, doesn't he? The, the, There's going to be you, something. If you He's had gonna, to pick someone on is, the grid who was going to get VJ Malliot. I was about to say VJ Malliot. <laughs> There's a whiff of VJ about about Lawrence Stroll, and I can't put my finger on why. He's not the good times guy. At least VJ owned it. You know, he's like, I'm a dirty businessman, and you got to know that going into this. <laughs> and, you know, he wasn't dishonest, but Lawrence Stroll rules through intimidation yeah. and uh, and just sheer brute force. 
Um, so this having him come in this way, copy yeah. a Mercedes and then a Red Bull a couple years later. <laughs> yeah. Dang, that's impressive. What's the what's the Dave Chappelle quote where he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, he's like, this is one of the few guys to have ever come out of the house. Go, they're doing exactly what you think they are doing in there. And I know because I'm doing it, too. And just look you in the eye and be like, yeah, we're all cheating. <laughs> There was a, I watched an MMA fighter uh, recently. Uh, for those of you who don't know, our super producer, Dylan Laurent, is also a big fan of UFC and uh, indeed all types of fighting. Big fan. And ever since he's convinced us to start watching these fights and narrating these fights to us, UFC stuff pops up in my algorithm all the time on social media because that's the world, the big brother world we live in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got, uh, I watched an MMA interview where the guy was copping to, uh, steroids and he goes oh yeah they, i was juiced to the gills and he's like and so and so was too and they're like really he goes yeah he, the way you hit the way you move what your muscles they're just concrete and you know he also weighed a whole lot it, it was just the math that you can tell and he's like yeah we were fighting he had me pinned and i you know had him this way and i thought i know your secret i have the same one um <laughs> because that yeah on some level they're all doing it so yeah um so, uh, Tim, uh, I'm going to send you a link right quick here while we uh, move to other uh, cheaty topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, we're going to talk about this in a bit. But uh, Detroit, there's a new uh, there's a new trophy for the Detroit GP. Um, oh. But uh, uh, let's talk about. Oh, you're already looking at it. You're already yeah. looking at it. Yeah. All right, Detroit G. We'll just skip right to it. We'll talk about cheating in a second. Detroit GP to have uh, Shinola watches to the uh, uh, victors. Yeah, Shinola Tim, I have n- I've never heard of this company. Um, uh, do I have a, bad taste? Because I kind of like the look of this. So no, you don't have bad taste. Um, Shinola is a is a company that is trying really hard out of Detroit to launch. They have an aggressive marketing campaign. Um, their watches are somewhat unremarkable. Um, you know, I don't believe they have any automatic uh, watches in their lineup. But here, let's this actually... one does say automatic. This Shinola Detroit. The Shinola oh, Detroit, the... Detroit. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, looking at the picture right now. I just know that they're kind of like more of a, a brand like um, movement watches, which was okay. a cost leader. And nothing wrong with them if you're looking to get into collecting, but. You know, from a collector standpoint, you wouldn't put one with the other, you know, watches that you have. You wouldn't put it in your in your vault. Um, so, no, it's not bad. It's just uh, Shinola is a really aggressive marketing company. Um, and I think that's, that you know, it's just different uh, to see them be the official watch. When I see the official watch that is giving getting given to someone, I traditionally think of, uh, you know, Rolex. A or, Rolex Daytona, yeah. Yeah, the Rolex Daytona or, you know, a Patek Philippe or something like that. If you're getting, you know, that high end nice mm-hmm. watch for a for a, a prize, but it's typically a Rolex, you know, in tennis, when uh, you go to win Wimbledon, you get a Rolex. Um, everybody gets a Rolex. So that or an Omega, um, yeah. you know, if the timing system is uh, sponsored by Omega, Omega will typically step in and give them, uh, you know, yeah. the Speedmaster, uh, the moon watch. Um, so, you know, things like. So Shinola isn't isn't bad. It's just one of these new companies that, you know, is going for the cost thing rather than anything else. Yeah. And, you know, they they have cool marketing. They have cool graphic design. I, um, I, it's edgy I, and fun. 
I'll be honest with you. I would like. I wouldn't mind seeing a couple more watch, uh, ch- watch trophies in. I would in, not either. In I think that would be very. Sports. I think very it's a cool. really cool tradition. Um, just I, I offer no critique other than what I see because I am not a watch guy. I like the colors. I like the use of blue. I like the use of orange. It has a very motorsports kind of feel to it. I don't know about the strap, but that's I don't know. I I, I kind of like it. I think it looks neat. Um, and assuming you're still going to get a trophy, like I would, if I won Detroit, I would wear that ish, man. I'd be like, absolutely. Yeah, I I won this. Yeah. No, I I absolutely <laughs> so, would too. Uh, I think I think it's a nice looking timepiece. Anyway, I will see. I think uh, you know, I like you said, it's a new company, so you know. We'll see. Hey, I, I got no other well. takeaways. I, I, hope, but, uh, I hope they turn into something very cool. If they if they want to start a new tradition for a cool GP, uh, I just you got to tip your cap to it at a certain extent, right? Have at it. Yeah, um, absolutely. S- speaking of cheating, yes, this is a fun one. This is a okay. fun one. Felipe Massa is assembling a legal team to evaluate the 2008 F1 title. <laughs> yep, I read about this one. I know about this particular incident. Um, yes, he is uh, going back to see because who was it that said, uh, oh, yes, we knew that all along. It was Bernie Eccleston, I think, that came out and said, we knew this all along. Yeah. Uh, we knew that uh, Fernando had cheated in that, uh, or not Fernando, but uh, Renault had cheated with PK Jr. Uh, he came to us before the end of the season, but we just let it play out. And so Felipe is going to try to sue for uh, what, you know, could be better. Unfortunately, I think 15 years is beyond the statute of limitations, Um, you know, but, you know, good on him for trying, I guess, Uh, you know, it was a thrilling year um, that, yeah, could have ended differently. I don't know how in court he'll prove that he would have won, uh, you know, definitively without having definitively won um, and what, you know, would have fallen out afterward. Uh, So, you know, uh, I think it's interesting to drudge up the past in this way, though, uh, just from a racing perspective, because, yeah, that was an incredibly controversial and consequential year. Um, you know, there was a lot of shenanigans up and down the field. Uh, Fernando Alonso embroiled again in in controversy back at Renault and, and these kind of shenanigans happening after being at McLaren, where he is famously uh, said to have uh, gone to Ron Dennis and said he knew about uh, McLaren having for, uh, Ferrari Intel and that he was he would tell everyone unless Ron backed him instead of Lewis. And what? Ron, you know, being the guy he is, went straight to the FIA and said, Here's what we got. Good. I called your bluff. Like it was it's just I, it's an interesting uh look to the past. My 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 like I don't mind the drive to survive influx of fandom, but my heart goes out to the young Formula One fans who don't know Bernie Ecclestone, right? Who only have known you know, Liberty as the owners and who don't know who only know Fernando Alonso as the lovable old man, Fernando on the grid right now, and not literally one of the most controversial and political, the one of the most political monsters on the grid. Yeah. (laughs) That guy, that guy turns any place into a toxic workplace. (laughs) He did for a while. I don't feel like he has at, uh, at at Aston, I don't feel like like new old man Fernando is quite as toxic. That being said, though, like if you if you have only joined in the post twenty twenty you know years, that 
This is literally, I would argue this is the most controversy embroiled driver in the history of the sport. Like, yeah, he's he's overtaken Michael Schumacher to my not to my mind by a mile. Yeah, he has. He's taken <laughs> over, he's just... overtaken everyone. It's it's impressive. Uh, um, I don't you know, know how it's it's more than Alan Prost was ever embroiled in. Yeah, you know, and he all he did was you know whine a whole lot. Um, but no, I think it's interesting. Um, I, I hope. Uh, that you know something will, more will come of it uh, to show how much of a you know monster Bernie is. Yeah. Um, you know maybe how the dealings, maybe some good stories come out that might be fun. Uh, but 15 years later, I don't think he's going to get any no satisfactory to him uh, things well, that's, coming his that's way. That's the thing is made. you you can't prove that you would have won because then every one little thing changes and everybody's race strategy changes, right? Yep. Or uh, you know, your actions change in the future. That's the butterfly effect. You can't prove you would have won and it would have played out the exact same. And two, you're Felipe Massa. So they're going to be like, oh, what are the damages? $10 million? You're Felipe Massa, man. Like, it, yeah. yeah. Let's suppose you get a lump sum of cash. That's nice. It's always appreciated, but that's not what you're looking for, is it? Nope. No. I but, think it's agonizing. He lost by a single point. It like, is. Oof. It is. That's that's um, rough. So yeah, you got to go down hard, and he'll come out swinging again. One 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 other thing, by the way. Um, can I just point out how bleeping stupid it is of Bernie Ecclestone to, as the steward of a legitimate sporting competition, be like, "Oh yeah, we knew that. Uh, we just kind of let her play. <laughs> we let her. We let her buck." That's this why is... he's earned his his place in the corner of villainy and intrigue, Luke. <laughs> Oh, come on, he's staying true to form. He is who he is until his dying day. Isn't it? Isn't it intriguing though that like, like the Black Sox san- scandal in like baseball, like it was a hundred years ago, and even then MLB is tight lipped. Pete Rose was like seven. You know what was that? How long was Pete Rose? How long ago was Pete Rose banned? Uh, thirty years ago, forty yeah. years ago, and he's still and he is still banned. Yeah, and the and they the MLB to re, they tried to revisit it, and he and the, could it, not convince Rob Manfred yeah. that he w- wouldn't just go back and gamble again. And the MLB is Johnny Tightlips about the whole thing too. They'll just be like, nope, 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 not nope. up for comment, nope. not up for comment. And Bernie Ecclestone is here. This isn't. This is barely a decade old, right? This is well, it's fifteen years old. Is all this is? And they're it's like two decades old. Yeah, <laughs> fifteen years old, and they're just like. Oh yeah, they cheated. Yeah, well, we just kind of let it rip, though. You know, it's yeah. kind of funny. The these things that I think that our our perspective on time is weird right now. Um, yeah. uh, just as a society, um, you know, technology has sped up so much, and we can communicate so much more that the passage of time itself is weird. And yeah, fifteen years ago is a long time. I mean, my myself, fifteen years ago, man. That yeah. I, that's if I fair. made a couple decisions different, I don't know where I'd be. So I was in middle school when this happened, so that's fair. Hey, 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 you Thanks. weren't you were you were still in school when this happened. 2008? I was in college. Yeah, you're in school. I'm old. <laughs> I'm very old. We're Man, all old. We are uh, all old, and so is Bernie Eccleston. And uh who knows? I might tell some Bernie stories someday of, of my own. Yeah. So uh, anyway, um, well, uh, we have racing this weekend, so we'll yes. actually have content. But it's been uh, Baku, Baku. It's been one of those periods where it's like it's not just that there's no racing. It's been a uncharacteristically slow week for F1. So, 
Uh, yes, I think very much that so. is about all the news that is uh, that's uh, fit to peruse. I think so, too. And I'm excited for a good action-packed weekend. I am, too. Uh, we will see you guys post-Baku. Don't forget, Sprint Race, 8.30 a.m. or 8.30 our time on uh, on this Saturday. The race is on the Sunday, so the qualifiers will be on the Friday as well. So uh, full weekend, maybe an extra little chaos causing teams to be nervous. We'll break it all down next week. <laughs>